This is Future Diaries, a podcast from the future, from the future. Welcome to Future Diaries, the podcast that transcends space and time. I'm Mike. And I'm Antonis, and we are your hosts. In our previous two episodes, we dove deeper into the economic systems of our own universes. After realizing that there is a lot our listeners can learn from comparing them, as well as with how things work in their universes. That's right, Antonis. And truth be told, although we've done this comparison before as part of our multiversal comparative economics classes, we still had a lot to learn from the experience of doing it through our diary entries, inviting Dr. Schroeder on the show and talking about it all again. Indeed, Mike. To recap just a bit, in case you missed those episodes, in my universe, there is no money at all, nor is there any token-based exchange system. We still have a reward system with points called REXP, Reputation Experience Points, to further motivate people to perform specific tasks. But that's the only thing that might loosely resemble money from our older history when we did use such a system. Instead, we have an extended system of transparent information on how resources are used to produce and consume goods and services necessary to our everyday lives. And that lies at the heart of our economy. People decide what goods and services to produce or acquire based on their awareness of not only of the resources used in their production, but also the impact their consumption will have in the future on the resources left to use. Making information like this freely available not only drives production and consumption habits in relation to the actual scarcity of the resources of the planets we can access, but it also drives innovation in precisely the fields it's needed. I'd say that having studied other systems of economy in other universes, I'm quite satisfied with the system we've ended up with in my own, as it allows people to work on what matters the most to them, the society around them, and in harmony with the material limitations of our environment. Yours is also a system I admire, though, Mike. Yeah, I kind of like the economy in my universe as well. Here, we do use money still. After a couple generations of economic problems, though, we ended up with a system we call Unconditional Basic Income, or UBI. UBI for us means each individual is given a sum of money at the beginning of every month that is sufficient to cover their basic material needs, as well as their active participation in society. The money comes from a combination of three levels of government local, national, and international, each with different objectives and financing. But they share a common goal to improve the lives of all citizens. UBI has been working well in practice over the last couple generations, even though it isn't perfect. If any of this sounds interesting to you, dear listeners, I would invite you to listen to our last two episodes. I'm, of course, biased, but I keep finding them very insightful and learn more every time I hear one of our episodes, even though we are the ones producing them. You can, of course, find all of them on our website, futurediaries.show, where you can also find our brand new Patreon page that allows the friends of our show to support this production in a way that um, kind of provides a basic income for our 21st century Earth connectors in your universe. Would that be correct to say, Mike? Well, that kind of income would be considered conditional. To us, producing something of value specifically for our audience It's not exactly the same as the system that is provided by different levels of government here, which is the whole point of unconditional in the title of the policy. 
Also, it's meant for individuals, not organizations, such as those that enable the connection to your universe, which would be another difference. But it definitely is a great way to motivate people to continue working on their passions by showing them that they are valuable enough to some people to be willing to support them. I think art has been supported by patrons in a similar sense in many of the universes we've studied. I'm also thinking, though, isn't it a bit ironic that we introduced our Patreon page, which you can find on patreon.com slash future diaries, by the way, in the same episode that we analyzed the economy in your universe, which doesn't even have money? Well, isn't life ironic? <laughs> um, jokes aside, though, if it makes sense for a show to be broadcast to a universe it has value for, then it should also make sense to introduce ways to link this value to means that ensure its continuation in different universes. And this discussion around values is actually a good segue to talking about today's diary entry, even if the connection doesn't seem clear at first. You see, today, we'll be sharing a diary from a long time ago, but from a universe almost identical to our audience's timelines for this episode, if our retro filters worked well. Indeed. Today's diary entry is from May 2nd, 2027, on an Earth similar enough to our audience's for countries to exist and even have the same names for the most part. This particular diary entry is from Western Africa, and the author is a girl named Adeze, who goes to school in Edo City, in a type of school I think you call high school. Her school is a girls-only school, a type of school which doesn't exist in my universe, so I'm interested to learn more about her educational experience as well. In Adeze's universe and timeline, money is still a central means of mediating economic production and consumption, but it isn't evenly distributed or fairly distributed for that matter. For them, there's only a loose correlation between work and income, and most incomes provide only for basic necessities rather than enabling full participation in society or the extensive pursuit of creative goals. What if we let the story speak for itself, Mike? Ah, uh, yes. I think I might be putting the plow before the oxen to borrow a 16th century expression in my universe. Let's roll. Dear Diary, I'm writing to you again to share my ideas on what's right. What I think my future should look like. Writing to you has helped me get through Katie's death. She was the best cat ever. And it has helped me get through my father's yelling when he comes home from a long day at work. So I thought, what if you want just a piece of paper? What if you were some kind of pathway to another world? What if when I write something, someone else far, far away could hear my thoughts? I like the idea, so I just pretend this is what happens and keep sharing whatever comes to my mind. Today was a day, I guess. I woke up to my annoying alarm clock and had some cereal and milk for breakfast. Daddy got me that honey-flavored cereal yesterday. I got dressed, ran to catch the bus to school, and went on to have a usual day there. Getting bored through English, memorizing grammar rules I don't care about. Then getting bored through maths, memorizing ways to solve equations I have no idea where to use after school. 
then getting bullied by the usual suspects during lunch, while everyone else kept pretending not to notice. Then getting bored through gym class, always ironically taught by the least athletic-looking teacher. Then getting a little excited during science, because we finally had some colorful chemistry experiments. And then leaving for home, to do even more boring homework, alone, while dad is working late again. On my usual days, the only thing that isn't boring is playing video games during my breaks from homework. But there was something different today. And in school out of all places. In history class, which is usually just a boring memorization of dates and names, we learned about Alexander Graham Bell, who invented the telephone. Or so they say. Mr. Garrison went on and on about the patents, going to cut over them, or something like that. I couldn't pay attention, so I don't remember what happened. And Mr. Garrison's whispering monotonous voice doesn't help at all to be honest. But I was caught up in my own thoughts. I was wondering how Mr. Bell even began imagining a device to communicate with people far away. Maybe he wanted to play whatever games they were playing back then without having to leave his home. Sort of how I play video games now that video games exist. Or perhaps he also missed his mom and secretly wanted to eventually communicate with people after they've passed away. Why do we focus so much on the dates and names but never wonder about what people were thinking? Anyway, while Mr. Garrison was lecturing, I was going deeper into my own thoughts. I imagined myself as Mr. Bell, playing chess with myself, moving a piece forward, suddenly stricken by an idea. What if I could play with my friend, Fred, without having to visit his home? I twisted my big mustache, puffed on my pipe. That's what people did back then, isn't it? And began imagining what I would need for that. I'd certainly need to talk with him somehow. I know from physics class that talking is vibrations, so I guess. A wire? And maybe, two cups connected through the wire. That must be what Mr. Bell was thinking. And then covering this wire somehow to protect it from the weather, or maybe to prevent a cat from playing with it and distorting the sound passing through it. Then we'd need buttons, calculators, and more wires to set up addresses so people could call who they wanted to instead of some random person. Or even worse, my Uncle Tom, who nobody wants to listen to. And why is everyone in my head a man? I guess that's just the picture I get when I think about life a hundred years ago. Thanks, history class. I kept on thinking, how far could this technology go? We already have portable phones connected through satellites, we have video calls, remote classes with teachers from other schools, we have entire books and movies on the internet. Even video games that I like playing with people from other countries. Or even continents without any delay. And that's how I came up with this idea. What if there is life on other planets or even in other universes and we could somehow communicate with them? The other day in history class, we heard about this devastating war that left just two-thirds of humans alive. What if we had some messages from other worlds where things like that had happened already, warning us of our mistakes and helping prevent things like that from happening again? 
or at least helping us develop medicine before other kids lose their moms as well. Wouldn't it be nice if people in other worlds could hear us too? But that's probably just wishful thinking. Anyway, it's fun writing as if someone is listening, so I might do it again tomorrow. Gotta go study now. Talk to you in the future, dear diary. I'm always surprised by how intertemporal communications technology can pick up and modulate signals from timelines in other universes, when that technology didn't exist yet, despite the occasional crackle. How do we even find such touching stories, Mike? I don't know, Antonis, but I feel as lucky as you. This story has struck a chord with me because what this girl calls wishful thinking is exactly what we have achieved in our universes and what others have achieved in so many other universes we've had a chance to study. It's pretty much what enables this broadcast. It's such a pity that intertemporal communications technologies hadn't been invented yet in Nadezhi's universe, so we could hear from her directly. It saddens me that, in her mind, this feels so unachievable. But it also brings me back to our systems of economy and what they've made possible in our universes. I know that in both my universe and yours, intertemporal communications technologies appeared after we'd both changed our economies to the systems we now know. Yes. It's just like I mentioned in our last episode, how UBI made it possible for me to become a glider. In universes where money exists, an individual's background, particularly when it comes to their financial wealth, can either limit or empower their choices a lot more than their motivation unless there is a preventative policy in place to act as a sort of buffer against inequality. UBI is that policy in my universe, and it helped me choose a long-term career as a glider rather than getting trapped in my previous work, which wasn't as satisfying to me or beneficial to society as I feel my current work is. But it's also what led to the invention of intertemporal communications technologies in my universe to begin with. As Dr. Schroeder explained, after the devastating war of the 21st century that eliminated almost a third of our global population, Super was founded in the beginning of the 22nd century as the supranational organization that would bring the different nations together through common policies and a collaborative decision-making process behind them. But they needed a flagship policy to establish their position as a peacekeeping entity that would revert the focus from the political disputes between the nations to the actual humans on the ground, a policy that would drive social cohesion. UBI was that policy, and it worked as planned. But what was not planned and what came as a pleasant surprise was how UBI changed people's motivations for work. Slowly but surely, people started feeling empowered both to leave abusive employment relations without fearing they'd lose their benefits or even the means to their survival, and also to invest in their passions. Public education was already good, so they decided to apply it and started innovating. I mean the average person, not just the one in a million innovator who had the financial means to invest big and take big risks. Now, more people than ever could afford to take such chances on moonshot projects thanks to UBI, and many did. 
It didn't take more than a generation for the first signs of intertemporal communications technology to appear, and by the next generation, these technologies were established enough for, well, for us to be doing what we're doing right now. Oh, yeah. I, I still remember that story of Sam's boots that showed this potential. And I still can't remember where else I might have heard it. Perhaps there's still a chance one of our listeners might know and will let us know on our Discord server. Yes, that was a brilliant story. But one more point I'd like to make in relation to technological innovation. Intertemporal communications technologies require massive amounts of energy and therefore have really high financial costs. Even though we did have the technology that allowed us to produce that energy beforehand, it was the financial profits of the few companies that controlled them that decided whether to invest or not in new and experimental technologies. The cost of intertemporal communications was enormous, and the return on that investment was more the uh, more on the moral side, or so much further in the future that it didn't justify the cost in an economy driven primarily by maximizing short-term financial gains. But UBI changed incentives around innovation. Individual innovators could decide for themselves where to invest their efforts. Many opted to start cooperatives, which were often more willing and flexible to innovate than large corporations. These smaller cooperatives tended to invest their time and energy in more meaningful work anyway, even if some of it would come at a financial loss and would only be balanced by their impact on society. Another example that our listeners in some universes might be familiar with are postal services, which operated a financial loss in order to reach the most remote areas. Because they provide such an essential service, their social return is worth the financial investment. Other examples from my universe are universal healthcare and education, which also have massive positive impacts on society, even though they appear as negatives on the balance sheet. But if you consider the entire system they enable as a result, they come out positive, even on purely financial terms. But anyway, I digress again. So tell me, What's the story of how intertemporal communications technologies became possible in your universe, Antonis? Well, how to say this while keeping it brief and to the point. So in my universe, money doesn't exist now, but it wasn't always that way. I seemed baffled about how people's motivation worked in other universes when I discovered them through my studies in multiversal comparative economics. But to be honest, I didn't have to look that far away. Just a few centuries ago, we also had money in my universe. But I took our current system so much for granted that it took stories from other universes to make me want to look deeper into my own. So when I decided to look into why people chose to do the work they did, I discovered situations very similar to what you described in your universe. Our universes are not that far apart anyway, so I guess it makes sense. I mentioned before the neighboring cities of Inscrovia and Argrincia. They seemed to ooze innovation from the universities from the moment they invented and installed those massive screens that made the impact of production and consumption transparent to the citizens, which motivated them to make different choices and eventually led to them experimenting with systems that provided all basic services to the citizens without any dependence on their work and without using money as an intermediary system to balance things out. These experiments started locally and kept expanding until we reached the system we use in our entire known universe now. Well, in my universe. But before that, the same cities suffered from inequalities based on what people would choose to work on in the same way you described in your universe. And I guess we can now see a common denominator. Anyway, 
It took us just three decades after establishing an economy based on motivation rather than remuneration before the first signs of intertemporal communications technologies appeared. It might have taken shorter in my universe than in yours because all major cities here have university hubs in their midst. They not only led to these economic innovations, but it also led to the technological innovation in communications that make our show possible. In the south of the planet I live on now, you can find the city of Uvumbuzi Kitovu, which was kind of a, a hub of innovation for a while. A major university city, of course. They had a research center with faculties in both energy and communications. I think the combination of the two was key to them inventing the first intertemporal frequency and amplitude modulation transmitters. The problem was the same you described before. The energy cost was enormous. And here's what I haven't told you yet. It turns out they had discovered intertemporal frequency and amplitude modulation already by the end of the 20th century. But due to costs associated with developing the technologies to take advantage of these breakthroughs, they wouldn't dare to experiment more. So they had no idea of the potential until more than a century later. After the experiments in economy started, it didn't take long for some of the scientists in the lab that were eager to experiment with the technology but couldn't do it before to get their hands on it now that cost was no longer an obstacle and the first transmitters became history. A few decades later, here I am, already studying and working as a glider. Yeah, it seems the economy can either enable or stand in the way of advances in science and technology very easily if societies don't realize it and make the right changes. And the way economies address inequalities seems to be at the forefront of that progress. I can't help but think how we could be speaking with little Adesi directly right now, instead of talking about her among us. I'm sure her motivation and creativity would make her the perfect glider, or whatever else she would have chosen to become. How many Adesis have we lost in history because our economic and social systems didn't allow them to follow their dreams and change the world? I think those are wonderful words to end on. We made it here again. And that would do it for this episode of Future Diaries. To you, our listeners, if you have enjoyed our show, don't forget to become a patron at patreon.com slash future diaries. Because while money doesn't exist in the same way in the universes we're broadcasting from, your financial support does help ensure a stable connection for listeners in your universe. Future Diaries patrons in your universe also get exclusive benefits, including merch, early access to podcast episodes, and extra privileges on our Discord server. And be sure to join our Discord server, where we can build a community of Future Diaries together. Please also rate and subscribe to Future Diaries on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed in your universe. You can also visit our website at futurediaries.show, where you can find additional content about us and the universes we come from, as well as subscribe to our newsletter, join our Discord server, and find other ways to connect with us here at Future Diaries. I'm Mike. And I'm Antonis. And we'll talk to you in the future. future.